Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. And today we're supposed to be discussing the third day of the Holy Spirit, but God really laid it on my heart that he wanted me to talk about faithfulness and forgiveness at this time. So, you know, I was thinking about it, and for as long as I can remember, I have loved the movies. How about you? Are you maybe a moviegoer as well? Well, many years ago, there was a major motion picture that was released in the theaters called The Family Man. Perhaps you've heard of it. It starred Nicolas Cage and Taya Leone. The majority of his movies usually touch on the greater meaning of life or the depravity of man, until recently that is. (laughs) But in this particular role, he was a wealthy businessman working on Wall Street in New York City, while Taya Leone was living a separate life apart from him as a nonprofit lawyer. And you see how the two paths are completely divergent from each other. And after both having gone their separate ways from each other, he goes to sleep one night and the heavenly realm shares a glimpse of what could have been for the two of them had they chosen to stay together. And now I realize this is just a story, a Hollywood narrative. However, it touches on some underpinnings of biblical narratives. And stay with me here. I'm going to explain what I mean. The premise of the movie was this. Each of them could have been relatively happy on their own, but together they were better, a stronger pair. And one scene shows Cage at work in his office for his father-in-law during this glimpse. He takes a styrofoam uh, coffee cup from his desk drawer, opens it up, pulling out a flask, and pours the contents into his cup. And he says out loud, you must have needed this every day. But the story moves forward, showing that faithfulness in the small things is rewarded in the end. And this story has similar characteristics to the one of Rebecca and Isaac. Now, Abraham was Isaac's father. He was a great man, and the Lord had given him flocks of sheep, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and he had many servants, camels, and donkeys as well. And one day, Abraham said to the man in charge of his household, who was the oldest servant that he had, he said, Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not let my son marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. So the servant took an oath that he would follow Abraham's instructions to the T. And here's what the servant prayed to God. He said, See, here I am standing beside the spring, and the young women from the village are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them for a drink of water. If she says, Yes, certainly, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you've appointed for Isaac's wife. You see, the servant knew that an enthusiastic attitude would be compelling for Isaac's future wife. And then the servant ends up meeting Rebecca, and she is the one. So Isaac finds a wife in Rebecca, and Rebecca had a brother now named Laban. He was selfish to the core of his being, and he would profit from his sister and daughter's marriages. 
On the surface, it's hard to imagine such greed, yet selfishness in a human tra- is a human trait that we all have. And when we don't keep it in check, it rears its ugly head. Well, Laban's selfishness was no different than many of us, but his came out in the form of controlling others for his gain. And like Laban, we too at times control events and people for our gain. However, he didn't realize he would be unable to control the God of Jacob, and that was to be Isaac and Rebekah's son. And when we can admit that we're wrong and can begin the journey towards untangling our selfishness and get back on the road of selflessness, it's often hard to recognize the areas that we have weaknesses in. It takes a true friend who's a brother or sister in Christ to help us uncover these areas. When we're willing to step up and become that voice for another, we may shave years off of a difficult situation for someone else. On the other hand, if we remain silent, we're really not helping their growth or the growth of those around them. So here's two questions for reflection. First, how do we forgive when the offense continues to grow and we're not experiencing forgiveness? Question number one. And secondly, more importantly, why do we need to forgive? So let me repeat those again. Number one, how do we forgive when the offense continues to grow and we're not experiencing forgiveness? And secondly, more importantly, why do we need to forgive? Well, personally, I've experienced landmines on my spiritual forgiveness battlefield. However, God's transparent with us when he tells us in no uncertain terms, if we want to be forgiven by him, then we must first forgive. I mean, he is matter of fact with that. It's in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, where he puts it this way. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. This is a stern warning for all of us. I'm not different than you. It's not easy to let bygones be bygones. After all, we're human. We hurt. We get knocked down, and yet we must find a way and the strength to go on. And that's where we have the opportunity to press and lean into Jesus. We don't want to pollute or clog up our lines of communication between ourselves and God with unforgiveness. The best gift we can give ourselves and others is that of forgiveness. A physical heaviness is released from our spirit when we do this. And in turn, we learn it's a privilege of the forgiven to forgive. We don't operate from the same vantage point as God. When we harbor resentments, he sees the big picture and how all the pieces fit together. And some people make unforgiveness their idols, not recognizing the harm they're inflicting on their own spiritual journey with God. Whomever they are upset with becomes a stumbling block for them in their relationship with Jesus. They may think I'm sticking it to the man here, but all that's happening is they're hurting themselves. And when unforgiveness persists for a long period of time, it may be possible that the offense no longer matters and the issue at hand has really just tilted to the principle, causing the person not to remember why they were even angry in the first place. If you've had family members or friends who appear to have ridden you off, you're not alone. Misunderstandings happen in the world of human communication. Let me share a personal story and see if you can relate. 
A friend of mine had appeared to have ridden me off. I didn't recall doing anything that would merit this type of behavior. I sent a couple of holiday cards, an email with no response. Then I took to pen and paper, writing a handwritten note telling her what I told you. Please don't allow me to be a stumbling block in your relationship with Jesus. If you're mad, I apologize for whatever the miscommunication might have been, and I mailed her a copy of my book. I held the relationship in prayer and asked Jesus to take control doing a work in her heart that only he could do. And as you guessed it, it was just as I'd shared. It was a complete miscommunication. My friend had all kinds of life issues come at her from out of nowhere. She was in a season of challenge. She was doing all she could to keep her own family up and running. That's it. But what if I would have persisted in unforgiveness? This outcome would have looked completely different. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's really why the old adage applies. When we assume we make a, you know, out of ourselves, we don't always know what other people are going through in life. This accounts for family and friends. We need to give grace to others like Jesus gives to us. Some things will not make sense to us now. I'm learning not to allow Satan who walks about like a roaring lion trigger me with rationalizations and excuses. God's way is always the better way. God's word tells us that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Without forgiveness, the entire human race is sitting on death row, awaiting sentencing. This is how serious this issue is to God. He wants his children in right relation with each other and with him. He sent his one and only son to die for you and for me so that we could have the possibility of saying, yes, we believe you died for our sins and we humbly receive your free offer of salvation. And forgiveness means we see past our mistakes and the mistakes of others into the truths of hearts. Forgiveness is the highest form of being wise. Unforgiveness in marriages allows the enemy to present us with a death certificate for the marriage. It'll be over if we don't forgive one another, no matter what the offense, no matter how small or how big. We must recognize our uniqueness, yet our oneness together. And let me share some of my personal story with you. Many years ago, life was happening to me, not for me. Or so I thought. I had a successful, lucrative sales career. Then one day it ended, like many things do. And while I attempted to reinvent it a few times, it didn't take off to the same degree it had been. And this was God's way of getting my attention for something better. You see, the money, the healthcare, the materialism can never make up for the loss of not knowing our creator. And God impressed upon my heart, get to know my son, Jesus. I'm so thankful I chose to listen. I began to study his word and I'm getting to know Jesus more and more every day. This is truly the best gift I've ever been given. Had I been stuck in unforgiveness, I would have missed out. God helped to work through my stony heart and he made it pliable and moldable so that I can embrace his teachings. Now he is all that matters. And while I'm appreciative of my former life, my choice is clear. Focus on the windshield in front of me and not the rear view mirror. God has graciously supplied every need that has come my way and then some. I know he can do this for you too. The key is to have a contrite, repentant heart for any sin in our life and forgive others. When we've been wronged, oftentimes we fail to follow Jesus's command on righting the situation. 
We may turn away from the person in hatred or resentment. And when we do this, we do not fully realize the gap we cause between ourselves and God. You see, he hates sin. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and God had to look away from Jesus because he bore the sins of the world? It's no different with us. He looks away when we purposely sin or we harbor ill will towards his creation. We're reminded to not seek revenge or gossip about the wrong. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, we're taught that love covers a multitude of sins. And this is saying it's not hidden from God, but it's not our job to go out and announce another sin to the world. God likes his children to use discernment and discretion. God is our ultimate vindicator. We'll spend eternity with other believers. And, you know, I want to be in eternity not having gossiped about everything I knew about them. And Jesus told Peter to forgive the person who sins against us 70 times 7, if need be, as often as it takes, we're to forgive. And just to remember what God has forgiven all of us for. No one is exempt from sin. And yet society often likes to classify people's sins and then discuss it like they're the ones writing the rule book. When we follow God's ways, we have a much better chance of restoring damaged relationships and being in right standing with the Father. So let me leave you with this thought. If you could travel back in time and give your teenage self some advice, do you think you might say never lose touch with your creator regardless of the circumstances in your life? Or perhaps you'd say the past doesn't equal the future. God's in charge. Or even let it go in the end. An unforgiving spirit is just an attitude of pride, a root of bitterness. I really hope today's podcast has helped you think of areas that you need to extend forgiveness or to be forgiven in and always stay in the Father's will and you will be blessed. And friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come in and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and get into a good Bible-based community of believers where you can grow strong in your faith. And let me be the first to congratulate you, though, on the most important decision that you've ever made. Amen. And as you go out into the world... I'm going to pray the priestly blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. This prayer alone does encompass six blessings. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you peace. Amen. And remember, we're having that special guest is coming up in the next few days. And we have part three of the Holy Spirit coming up in season two. So with that, be blessed, everyone.